What's up? What's happening? It's an all-new episode of Don't Miss This Podcast with me, Sam Butler, and this uh, guy who just regrew his beard in record time, Mr. Jack Anderson. How are you doing today, Jack? Dude, I'm feeling good. I got a beard again. I'm yeah. I'm you, feel right. you feel right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you real, real quick. Uh, Andre really did not care for you being shaved. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. She was uh, like, what is going on? <laughs> strange man I had a beard for like a year straight like that was the first time it was like pretty much non-stop beard from beginning to end yeah and uh I, I've been uh really wrestling with uh taking mine all the way down yeah because my, my mustache it just it's my one big insecurity <laughs> because if I don't I have to like give my mustache a part and a comb over because I have these weird gaps like in the middle. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people can see it on the screen, but like right, yeah, right there. Mm-hmm. It's just weird gaps, and then the middle parts kind of fold down and look like tarantula pinchers. Oh, and I sure. really because you know they have to be longer so I can comb over that bald spot on yeah. the mustache, and you know. As with nature, you got to burn the forest down for new growth. So I'm really thinking about it. And, uh, it's, it's an interesting thing. I didn't realize that the spider fangs really were the key to a continual mustache. I mm-hmm. thought just hair, I guess hair just doesn't really sprout from like the corners. Of yeah, the no, they have to drop down further mm-hmm. and further. Like I can kind of get a little twiddly going on. And at a certain point, they have to mesh, but you... Right. It takes <laughs> time, my friend. Exactly. It takes time. It takes time and patience. I'm actually going to try beard oil this oh, time. Well, and hear good things about beard oil. I like it when I use it. I've never, I've never used it, but I do know for a fact that the lotion that I vigorously rub into my beard does not do the trick as far as the dry skin underneath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, I, I feel like beard oil is the way to go. It is, man. It keeps, it keeps things fresh. I also just like the smell of it too. <laughs> I know. Because like good. I remember when we lived with Wes, he had that. Uh, oh beard club or something like that it was something like he gave you that beard brush from it yeah yeah i remember and i need to buy one of those too hairbrush and comb don't do the trick yeah yeah now i use my beard brush for my hairbrush because my hair is so thick now like, yeah it's the only one that works it'll, it'll work yeah I just swoosh it put some stuff that's good it's good to go you got this little pompadour going on you look like you if you really slicked your hair back you could go uh sport a leather jacket and start uh uh, uh, gang fights with other street toughs <laughs> in the 50s. Sure, sure. Yeah, you could be the uh, the tunnel snakes, and they could be the... Uh, no, no, you'd be the, the sewer gators versus the uh, the, the uh, beach sharks. Yeah. There you go. And then oh. you're just... And then you're the aggressor, so you take out the switchblade, stab them in the throat, and they're just like, whoa, whoa, I thought this was a <laughs> musical fight! <laughs> oh no, no, this is gangster. We're, we're here for blood. Yes. We're the gators. We are the sewer gators, yeah. and we are here to fucking demolish. <laughs> it's a life I could have lived. Yeah. It's a life I, I chose to avoid because politics. You know? Yeah, Jack, you would be a sewer-dwelling steep street tough in the 50s. And, pretty with that. Oh man, I would love to see that. You've seen me in a leather jacket. You know how I look. Oh, but I mean, I'm talking about like shoeshine leather jacket. Like, the kind <laughs> that looks like it's almost latex, but sure. it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then your hair is that kind of shoe polished black to match. Dude, mm-hmm. like, oh, you could really run a squad. I've only had black hair once, and that's when I was brick tailing for that's a right. Yeah, That's you know. right. And I had my long hair looking good only once, and it was that Ron Burgundy <laughs> comb over that I had going on. It's a classic picture. I'm rocking <laughs> the tweed jacket. You got, yep. the, you got the all red going. We nailed it for seventh graders who bought all our shit from Goodwill. We did. We did. Yeah, 
<laughs> like, I had golf shoes from Goodwill to be, like, Ron's white shoes. So, like, they're white and they look dressy enough, but they had those little cleats on the bottom. <laughs> I think I literally wore my dad's clothes. I think they were way too big, they were way oversized, but they worked. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it was, it was the look. <laughs> and we crushed it. We did. We, we did. crushed it. We were a couple of... Here's to year two. Oh, yes. Officially. Yes, the dawn of year two, starting with a couple of Celsius. Because we're staying healthy in year two. Okay, we're drinking peach seltzer, not just beer. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Which also. actually very much like peach seltzer. Yeah. Very good. And this is just a great. I, so I saw this thing the other day that Burt Kreischer got officially sponsored by Truly Seltzer. And he did, he shot this whole Instagram ad where he's sitting in a tub full of ice cubes with a bunch of cans of Truly. And I'm just like, all right, I see you, Bert. Now, if he's going to get himself sponsored by the trash-ass seltzer that is Truly, God damn it, we are going to get our Natural Light Seltzer sponsorship by hell or high water. Also, that is a command. By hell or high water, it is a fantastic film. I'm already uh, I'm already in conversations with Angry Orchard. Unfortunately, I'd fuck with them too, yeah, buddy. They're pretty good. They're yeah, good we guy. can have dual sponsorships. They're not competitors. I'm with that. I'm with that. You know, they're two very different, refreshing alternatives to beer. Natty Light Seltz and Angry Orch. Angry Orch. That's right. That's right. Angorch. 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 <laughs> got, the, got the Natty Light Seltz. Angorch. <laughs> Angorch. <laughs> Angorch. You don't even say an Angorch. 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 Is it's its own and. That's correct. That's correct. That's how it works. That's how it works. Every time. Every time. <laughs> so how's your week, Sammy? What'd you do? But dude, work. It's yeah. just work on work on work. I'm working like... 11, almost 12-hour days, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got my first joint paycheck today from each place, Ooh. and it's looking nice. It's starting okay. to pay off. Uh, my savings actually exist, and uh, nice. honestly, it, I like seeing as many zeros as I've seen in there. I've never seen that in my bank account ever, <laughs> and it's really nice to open my bank account. I give myself like a $350 allowance a week, because I get paid weekly from Insomnia anyways, mm-hmm. which is like, you know around that yeah, yeah, yeah. and then i just take whatever i make a raccoon and just stick it in my savings mm-hmm. and uh with that uh you know i just uh, look at the numbers in my account and i'm just like yeah that's gonna stay there yeah only grow mm-hmm. this is the first time i've ever tried saving money in my <laughs> life Jack. granted a good you know 1200 of it was from old trumpy but you yeah. know fuck them what if what if you become like the top saver ever? You know what I mean? Like this, I become a true dragon hoarder. That's right. This like backstory of just like spending and going. Right, I don't even invest it. I just penny pinch my entire life. I die with like a hundred million dollars in my account. Never, nobody even saw a cent of it. You own things for ten years just because you could use it for ten years. You know exactly. I live the most modest lifestyle. I live in a sensible town home that I rent I do not own because right. I do not want to be you know tied down to that kind of a commitment <laughs> always rent I know I bet because you can you can always cut and run that's correct that's correct you don't want to be caught up in the mortgage in the mortgage yeah no, 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 no. you know and then you don't have to go through the ebbs and flows of housing markets I know right you know why do we have to make up new words why do we have to make up mortgage why can't we just say Expensive payments. Why do we have to make up any of this goddamn system? Like, my credit score is so fucked because of that Kohl's card that I used to buy that $50 suit from uh, for Connor's wedding. 
and I just let it the debt build and build because they never sent me the card. They never mailed me the actual physical card, so I had no idea how to pay this fucking thing off. My mom bailed me out because I was dead broke. This was like middle of December. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so she bailed me out. No, it was for my birthday, actually. That was my birthday present for her, <laughs> was uh, her bailing me out of debt. <laughs> hey, that goals card, man. It'll yeah, and it, it, it got me. And now my credit score is in the trash. And all the credit cards that I am like able to sign up for with Credit Karma, they're like people who have absolutely leveled their credit. Like you've never even heard of these companies, you know, <laughs> and it dropped again recently because I had it checked. Why does it drop your credit score? If you have it checked by a credit card and they say, no, that makes no fucking sense. Right. The whole credit system doesn't make any fucking sense. And honestly, I feel like whoever came up with it back in fuck, like the 1800s, it was probably like a Rockefeller or some fucking genius billionaire like that who wasn't a billionaire quite yet. But they're just like, well, I have a good amount of money saved up. So how about I just start lending it to people? And then they have to pay me back some extra shit. And then I base their entire life on whether or not they pay me back with interest. Like, fuck, bro. The whole system is so goddamn shitty. It's very I hate nice. it. Yeah. I hate it. And it made it way too easy to get started with. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It made it way too easy for people to get themselves into trouble. Uh-huh. Know? Well, because they didn't teach us in high school. They yeah. taught us about fucking uh, supply and demand and the invisible hand that was over the economy. It's like, okay, we don't give a fuck about the economy if we can't contribute to the economy because we're all in fucking massive debt. It's true. It's very true. You know? And, like, I went on this same exact rant with my dad, and I'm just like, why Why don't schools teach it to you? Why do they have to put it on you guys, the parents, to teach us this stuff? And he goes, well, you know, uh, if you would like, I could t- sit you down and teach you that stuff. And I'm like, this. <laughs> it's just as cringy and frustrating to me as if he were to sit me down and teach me growing and changing and sex ed, dude. Like, I loved that that was outsourced to the school because right. you didn't have to look your parents in the eye. And I just know I would get so beyond fucking frustrated just listening to my dad tell me about this shit. Just, just, so you see here, you need to balance between your assets and your liabilities, okay? Do you see here, Sammy? Right now, like, I'm picturing him on your face and I'm getting mad. Okay, uh, now, when you look at all that, that's what we call cost-benefit analysis, okay? Now, you need to keep an eye out on these things. Uh, Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of my dad, okay, so... Okay, uh, so it is after... Last week. Okay, so I can actually recap a little bit. So after our uh, anniversary where I ate the bomb sauce and threw up, went over to Collins with Reed, and my face hadn't quite reached its final form when I left here. And when I got there and I went to the bathroom and looked myself in the mirror, I looked like fucking Freddy Krueger. That's how many fucking capillaries I busted by just screaming that devil sauce out of my body. It was so bad. I took a picture the next day, and it still, it, it was healed enough that it doesn't do it justice, but it was, yeah. Look at that. Oh my god. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, it's That's bad. Crazy. It was really bad. Yeah, I, I looked like somebody had lit everything under my skin on fire. Yeah, when you came yeah. back in the room, I was like, oh yeah, I remember that face. Yeah, I yeah, I've seen it. that. Yeah. I've seen that before. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's the classic stamp of the puke champ. Like, uh-huh. if you see me the next day and I have blotches on my forehead, you're just like, oh, you got after it, huh? 
or your friends uh, put put uh, supplies on your face. I went back and I rewatched that, dude. You put like three dabs on that fucking wing. <laughs> Fuck you. Because <laughs> I was just watching it just to see myself because I'm vain. Uh-huh. And then I was just noticing out of the corner, there's you put the sauce on. And you put like a lot on, and you're like, no, oh, that's not enough. A little bit. Of, no, there's not <laughs> And it like, it sat like you looked like you just gave it one good dabble. No, you added more. <laughs> but then again, I had to put it in perspective. You had the entire wings coated in the stuff, and you ate the whole wings. So still, but also you didn't start at eight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know what I did. It was incredibly dickish, and yeah. uh, I would do it again. Yeah. Harpy, I want to do it again uh, <laughs> if the opportunity arises just be warned <laughs> oh thanks thanks for the heads bro thank you I got you appreciate it I'm trying this new thing called psychological torment where before oh, new before I start like really starting to annoy someone I'm like it's coming you know what I mean like I'm like the joker I'm like if you know this Jack guy is isn't actually... dead by noon I'll put the dad put the bomb in your natural seltzer. Dude, you know if you I mean? did that, I would cut your throat with the can. If, you know... As I was vomiting onto your face and screaming, Yeah! If Harvey Dent isn't, you know, found in 20 minutes, I will uh, vandalize the, your windshield. You know what I mean? But not, like, break it. I oh, mean, so you're keeping the stakes interpersonal. You're yes. not like... if. If you don't find Harvey Dent, who is a fictional character, right, right. in 20 minutes, I'll blow up a Montessori school. That level, I'm, I'm tormenting my friends. You yeah, know? okay, okay. If, uh, let's say, <laughs> it, okay, if, if uh, you know, uh, you don't press the right button, press, you know, decide which boat blows up, I'll send you an annoying video for... Four years over mm. text message. Uh, you know what I mean? Have you started doing that since our last conversation? Uh, yeah, I haven't like thought of what to say quite yet. I, I want to like do it on a day where I'm like, oh, am I, today's the day okay. that I'm going to say it's it. It's going to be good. Exactly. It's going to be good. Mm-hmm. It is going to be good. Of course. Who's going to be first? <laughs> <laughs> Who is next? Yeah. I'll um, give names. Wesley. Dylan. Cody. Joseph. Joseph. All of you should be worried. <laughs> All of you. Targets have been painted. Oh, and Garrett Hammers, just because I didn't say your name, doesn't mean that you might oh, not be. Or, or neuter the te- uh, or te- teeter the anteater. Teeter the anteater. Yeah. And he, he might be all the way down in Tejas. Right, he might be. But that you, doesn't stop my videos. You have the mom. advantage of the waves That's above it. our head with satellites. I, I'm in the cloud, man. I am the cloud. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <I'm> the cloud. <laughs> The J Cloud. On the Apple Cloud. Yeah. The J Cloud. <laughs> the Cloud, man. I keep running out of space on the cloud. I, I keep running out of space and I have no idea how to access it to delete shit. Because I know it's probably like shit from when I was like fucking 20 and I thought it was hot to save pictures of like porn stars and stuff. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, taking up all this space and I have no idea what it is. You know, and I know for a fact that it's probably all of our Riot Fest stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. which I still have on my phone, so. Yeah, do you really? Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it's all at the tippy top. Oh, jeez. Back in the day. Back in the busy, watching, like, uh, Ice Cube and uh, fucking mm-hmm. when we went to the Kid Cudi concert and shit, which, oh, what? I'm wearing the shirt. I noticed. Confused. Was, never forget, though, that was one of the strangest concerts. I know. Uh, anybody he, will ever go he to. He came out with such a fucking weird energy. I, 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 
Let's tell the story. And oh, hang on. I want to double back real oh, yeah. quick because it's about the chicken. Oh, please. So we had leftover fried chicken after that, and I got pretty drunk, and I ate some before I went to bed, but I had to wake up, which it just, this week has really further cemented that I can't drink if I'm going to go to the work at Raccoon Creek the next day. I just really can't. My body cannot handle it. Yeah. I can't handle the wake up part, and then the three hours later feeling sick part, you mm-hmm. know? It's just, it's not worth it. 24-year-old Sam, doesn't he gets hangovers now. You know, 20 through 23, they were pretty nice. That's right. That's I, right. I could get pretty hammered and then wake up at 5.30, fresh-faced baby, and go to work, <laughs> baby. But no, not anymore. You but, get old pretty quick, you find out. Getting I old think it's because I really ran those tires hot, dude. <laughs> I really did. I did not pace myself at all for, for these early 20s. <laughs> you know, I really ran the tread off these tires. You know, yeah, I gotta slow down. Six, take some side streets. Maybe he's off the highway a little bit. Okay. Uh, you know, just work, work on it. Moderation. <laughs> um, but the next morning, I had to rush to get to work, and I realized that I left all the chicken bones on the fucking plate in the basement. And I tried calling my dad on the way to work and texting him, "Hey, can you go downstairs and try and get it? Because Winston will get it the second the door closes." He didn't get it. And Winston ate all the chicken bones, but he's fine. Thank God. But fucking, my dad has been hanging it over my head this whole past week by making these. At first, <laughs> at first it was kind of funny. Now it's very clearly a targeted passive-aggressive joke. <laughs> that any time that he, because we'll be talking and then Winston will just be looking at one of us. And then my dad will just project what he's thinking Winston's thinking. Most of the time, he thinks Winston feels insecure. He's like, look at him. He's just, he's just like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. What's going on? This is weird. This is really weird. It's like, no, he's waiting for someone to pet him. <laughs> Very clearly. I spend, like, the most time with this dog ever. But he'll just, now it's like, yeah, I bet he's thinking he wants a chicken bone. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, like, we were eating Red Lobster last night, me, him, and Ajne. And he's just like, uh... I'm just like, look at him. He's just smelling all these smells. And he's just like, yeah. But I bet he wants a chicken bone. I'm like, fuck you. Okay? Okay. I get it. I get it. <laughs> Old Davy B. Just keeping the fire hot. Beating the dead chicken bones, man. <laughs> it was fucking irritating. I'm like, okay. I get it. We're trying to eat lobster. <laughs> I admitted that I fucked up. Can I eat my lobster ravioli? Not ravioli. Fucking uh, Alfredo. Oh, man. Oh, so that's been fun. Sure, yeah. Sure. And uh, work, dude. Okay. Sammy Soapbox. Here we go. I thought that was, but you thought that was the Soapbox. No. <laughs> no. Here's my Soapbox, dude. Construction was an essential job this entire fucking time, Okay. And so, yeah, you know, like the apartments across the street from Grafenberg, for example, those have been built nonstop. They they haven't stopped at that. You can see construction all over the city. And nothing has slowed on my down. Patio. Yeah, and they've not slowed down. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this past week they lightened up the restrictions. Now it's a uh, what is it? It's not shelter in place. It's safe at home. Mm-hmm. So it's just more like you don't have to stay at home. More businesses are opening up with you know restrictions and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, they still would love for you to stay at home. Well, now it's just like, okay, the week that I was at Insomnia, parking in front of the store, fucking marvelous. No cars, always parking. 
Isn't that next, that following week? <laughs> cars all the way down Broadway, dude. There's no parking. I have to park in the library again, which is fucking pain in the ass with day shifts. Because even though the goddamn thing is shut down, they still have people snooping around looking for cars that park there. And I'm like, what's the difference between now than when the library's closed on regular business hours and everybody fills up this parking lot to go out on South Broadway on a Friday? The law. They go fuck the law. <laughs> you know? But... Now there's more cars out, so there's less parking. But Nelso, 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 they've decided to just ramp up all the road work everywhere. There's road work fucking everywhere in Denver, dude. All over Broadway, all over Colfax, all over the side neighborhoods, all over the highway. Every fucking place you turn, there's road work. Why wasn't this being done when there were no fucking cars on the road? Because now it's like everybody's out and they're getting shoved into these one-lane traffic. And it's just like, dude, this is South, this is Broadway, right? Where was this when there was nobody on Broadway? What the fuck were they thinking? Was road work not under the umbrella of construction where they're just like, hey, hey, let's, uh, let's just not work on the roads when it's the most ideal time to work on the roads? Let's just say fuck it, because the best part about road work is how much it enrages everybody. That's right. And while you're enraged in your car... There's someone with a sign going, beep, beep, yeah. beep, and that's yeah. all they're doing all day. Yeah, they're, they're just <laughs> spinning the sign to say slow or stop. <laughs> the flaggers out there, they're just hanging out, and it's just like, it's so infuriating. It's, it's up on fucking, like, Stout and shit. It's up on fucking 34th Street. It's up on fucking, uh, 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 God, what was the other street that I just delivered to? That was really a goddamn irritating one. It's across fucking Platte River, northwestern side of downtown Denver, dude. And it's just like, where was this? Where the fuck was this this whole past two months? God damn it. It's just been fucking infuriating, especially because that's my job, is to drive all around Denver. And the ones that piss me off the most are in those side neighborhoods, like past Lincoln. They just had roads shut down these whole past two months. There's road closed through traffic. Why? Yeah. Why? They think that people are just going to try and sneak out and through those side streets and just, that's where all the traffic's going to be, dude? No, I drive right around those barricades. Fuck those barricades, dude. They are closed for no reason other than they just put those signs there. There's no construction going on, and it just seems like they put them up because of the pandemic, but what purpose does that serve? Yeah. If people are going to be out, they're going to be driving past those signs. Oh, dude, that that shit has been driving me crazy this whole fucking week, dude. Look at your scenario. You're driving through those barricades. One of the flagpost guys, supposed to be a hero, runs up to your car, jabs it with one of the signs. Are you stopping and taking this person off? Well. Just like a stop sign just blew right into the back of your car. Yeah. Yeah? You're going to fight this person? <laughs> yeah. Because I'm like, oh, I don't have my baseball bat in my car right now. Ah, oh, but I do have my fist pack. <laughs> I can go out, take that heavy steel piece of bar, and just clobber that for him. <laughs> Crack his fucking uh, hard hat with it. You'd, you fight, you'd fight a person who has a, a full-on street post to keep oh, you at bay? Oh, I would, uh, I would deflect it. I'd push it to the ground. I'd step on it, disarm him, punch him in the face, <sighs> then take the sign, decapitate him like Mac's dad did, that one guy. Nice, nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's the story of Sammy B. Oh, actually, no, Max Dad didn't kill that guy. It was the other guy. He took the fall for it. That's and, uh, right. 
I thought it was, would have been funny if they actually had his dad get killed in prison because of that. If you just leave that on Mac's shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> Mac would have done that so well, too. <laughs> oh, man. We got to talk about Kid Cudi. Yeah. Tell, okay. We're going to tell about this concert. So, I'll this tell you. This was 2015. 15. He just released Speed and Bullet to Heaven, which was his attempt at a punk rock album. <laughs> few good songs, mostly bad songs. And I'm the biggest Kid Cudi fan on Earth. Right, So right. I'm willing to admit that. So Much gonna, like I can admit that Metallica's most recent album, pretty dog shit. Yeah. There were uh, a couple good songs, and the rest I'm just like, were these leftovers from Death Magnetic that they've waited eight years to release? What are you doing, Metallica? Be inventive. That's what you were known for in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. That's right. Okay. So that's how we're feeling about Kid Cudi coming into it. A little bit, a little bit. We're big, big Kid Cudi fans. Mm-hmm. And we go, we go to the Fillmore, we show up, it's cool, like we get in the in the building, and the thing about the Fillmore is it's a theater in Denver where you got a stand. Yeah, standing room only, general mm-hmm. admission. I mean, there are a couple seated stuff on the sides and in the upper balconies, but it's like, I don't even know how much that costs. Yeah, we didn't even look into that. I wish I would have, because, dude, standing at concerts, it's brutal. Yeah, and so we're standing, and we're... we're it's, it's, it's Wes, Sam, and I, we're having a good time. We're, we're, we're having fun. We're just going to see Kid Cudi. It's exciting. You know, we're out. We're doing a concert. It's cool. And then, like, what? 20 minutes goes by, and they're like, they're like, oh, you know, Kid, kid Cudi will be out here soon. That'll yeah, he cool. didn't have an opener. Yeah, he didn't have an opener. We're just waiting on him. Yeah, so, and it's just, And just playing his there. music, at the, the kind of on the speakers, we're yeah, talking. Yeah, you know, like, in other sort of at the time hits yeah so like 20 minutes they're like he's coming it's cool like no big deal and then i swear to god we waited like another hour and 15 minutes before they said anything again. yeah we and were then just he took standing. another 15 minutes to get out there yeah like <laughs> he took so long to get out there and then when he just got out there he went through the motions so hard oh my god like was... he didn't acknowledge even that we were in denver and stoked to see him this was his first concert of the tour mm-hmm. and He's in the, and like he comes out and like per like confused. He's just out there. He's just strumming the guitar like he's a fucking country folk singer. Because you know country folk singers aren't gonna dance or be rock stars. But right. he's just like confused. Truth is all the truth. Like he just went through the motions so hard. And then like pursuit of happiness came on and he was just. I mean, remember that one guy was trying to, like, fight people during Pursuit of Happiness? Right, yeah, this dude came in trying to start a mosh in one of the chillest songs of all time. He, like, runs in and he, like, shoves someone next to us. He's like, yeah! And yeah. Then the guy was like, you fucking touched me again. Right, exactly. Everybody was not having it. Like, remember uh, at the Tenacious D concert when they tried to fucking start a mosh pit for the jazz song they were yeah, doing? yeah. That's yeah, the scat jazz whatever song they were doing. People were trying to mosh. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? It would be one thing to mosh during the metal. Yeah. Or if they did... Um, oh, they were moshing during that jazz. Yeah. It was very... It not, was so weird. Like, imagine good. imagine going to a jazz club in Nolens mm-hmm. and seeing people just moshing and headbanging <laughs> while people are like... <laughs> <laughs> And then people are like, yeah! Punching each other in the faces, throwing elbows. <laughs> Fuck yeah! Woo! <laughs> Jazz music! <laughs> like, imagine that. Yeah. Smacking sacks. But yeah, so then, like, yeah, we waited so long. And then his backdrop for his stage was, let's talk about that. That was the weirdest 
staged backdrop I've ever seen. Like, there was part of a chain-link fence on half of it, then, like, a dark woods kind of thing on the other side. But then on the chain-link fence was, like, a dismembered torso. <laughs> you know? And it, it was just so weird. And then he comes walking in through this doorway that was lit from behind to look like he just entered through a portal. And he just walked out. <laughs> he didn't come out, like, all hype, like, Yeah! Denver, let's go! Yeah. And then he just... Yeah, that was... He just did the whole, like, hour of music. He did, like, an hour of music. Usually concerts... And he mostly played do. from the new album, too. Yeah, he mostly played shit from Speed and Bolt to have an album that nobody would take to see him play. Like, he didn't play, like, Up, Up, and Away. No. Nope. I don't think he played Marijuana. No. Nope. Uh, he didn't play... No, he did play Marijuana. I remember did that. Did he play Erase Me? Yes. Okay, he did. Did he do... Uh... Space uh, No One. He didn't do Day and Night. I think, I think he... I think he should have yeah. if he did because that was like his number that's one. Like his, that's the one, that's that, the one that put him, him on the map. I'm pretty sure he did. I remember. I remember, yeah, I remember being, being the only one yeah. I remember. You yeah, know? and like well, he the played a day. few. Well, yeah, he played a few off the third album, which that was the one where which the that was the one before Speed and Bolt Down, and people were like, I don't know, I love that album, right. but. Yeah, he played a lot of the new stuff, not a lot of the hits, and then he only did like an hour. Concerts usually go for like two, Dude, yeah, you know, and he just left. And then literally that night, canceled the rest of the tour yeah. and checked himself into a mental facility for depression. And it's like, ah, oh, damn, you know. But then he never picked it back up, and like that was his thing. It was like, Denver, I'm going to make it up yeah. to you. He never started it back up. He never came back. No, no. No, he went and made... Like what the that uh, satellite flight album, which that one's great on oh, mushrooms. Yeah, yeah Copernicus Landing, dude. Yeah. Uh, then uh, what was that? Crazy, crazy trips. Yeah. And then they, they did that uh, Passion Pain and Demon Slaying, mm-hmm. which he could have that that album was too many tracks, could have taken a lot off, but it was still a great album. Is that the one that Love is from? It's the one that Love should have been on. He hasn't put Love on any albums. It's still on SoundCloud, and I don't know why he hasn't released it. He's just like, ah, it's such a great song. I'm not feeling that one. I know. And it got us through such hard times really when we were did. single. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, yeah, then he did that uh, joint album with uh, Kanye, The Kids Eat Ghosts, and uh, I guess he's doing something with Travis Scott now, but... Where are the concerts, Cuddy? It's been five years, my think, dude. Should Kid be held accountable? Should he be brought before the people of Denver? I think Kid should quit fucking around acting in shit like Westworld <laughs> and get on oh, tour. he was in Westworld. Yeah, he, right. he played Aaron Paul's best friend in yeah. the first episode. I don't know if he's in any further oh, episodes. Oh, it's in many. Is he? He's the one in the flashback. Right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's yeah, in a bunch. Him. And he's well, I saw star. him in something else early, like, lately, too, that I was just like... What are you doing, man? Get on tour. Get the studio. <laughs> I need more Cuddy. Yeah. I like it for the music. Cuddy doesn't need no more you. Oh, no. Just kidding. <laughs> I talked to him last week. I I loved him on a Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Because yeah. that was such an unexpected guest star. Uh-huh. Like Marshawn Lynch uh-huh. level. Where you're just like, yeah. the fuck get the fuck out of here. I think Marshawn and Kid Cuddy are, are buddies somehow, somehow. Because they've both been on Westworld. They've both been, have been on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. That's right, Marshawn is on Westworld. Yeah. I, again, I've only watched the, the season premiere. Oh, dude, you gotta get on it. Yeah. Oh, no, half of the second episode where he's following Tessa Thompson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, Maeve. 
Yeah, Maeve. Yeah. yeah, Maeve's great. She's great. That's I like Tandy how they incorporate. Yeah, Tandy. Tandy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like how they incorporated Tessa Thompson's character because I thought she was just going to be a side character from how she was introduced in season one. Then season three, she's one of the mains. Oh, dude, you need to finish the seasons that you know. Is it all the way done? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, oh and it ends. It, it, that's the cool. This is why I really like Westworld is because it keeps ending in ways where I'm like, oh fuck, that is definitely going to completely change the show. Like every time the show completely it's, changes. Okay. And it does it again. It just like keeps I, escalating to being just like, fuck, the rules are changing again. Like I thought once they got out of Westworld and we're in the modern world, we kind of get like a steady pace, but n- not at all. This mm-hmm. this season's one thing, and then next season's going to be a completely different thing. You right. know what I mean? Oh, oh dude, okay. This is back to the Kid Cudi concert. I remember KC. We were there, and I brought a couple joints. And there was this like cute girl that came up to me, and I shared one with her. And I'm like, okay, we could like dance during the concert or whatever. And then we finished the joint, and then she just pulls out her purse, those pink bunny ears that the little girl in Bob's Burger wears. <laughs> and I was like, all right, shuffle back through the crowd. Get away from that situation. <laughs> uh, this is something I really love about you, is that you can only be, you really need to only be the Bob's Burger fan in the room. You know what I mean? That's my one of my favorite things about Sammy B. If someone else is a Bob's Burger fan, you leave. Oh, you're saying I'm the Bob's Burger fan? That's kind of what your your no. main requirements. Any room you go into, you've got to be the only Bob's Burger fan in it. Well, Jack, then that would mean I don't enter rooms. Because <laughs> <laughs> everyone is a bigger Bob's Burger fan than me. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know. I think part a big part of it is the animation. Yeah. As a chinless person, I feel like it's pretty derogatory. It's almost like a racist caricature for people with no chins and weak chins. Yeah, that's fair. That's you know? fair. I love H. John Benjamin. I love Kristen Shaw. Eugene Berman's great. Uh, I just, I don't know. I don't know what that show. <laughs> but I swear to God, back in those uh, days when we were living in Lakewood and I was trying to date on Tinder, every chick on Tinder loved Bob's Burgers. Yeah. And I'm like... Maybe maybe they'll be the one to get me into it. Maybe they'll be the one <laughs> to get me into Bob's Burgers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not the one, period. Yeah. The one to get me into Bob's Burgers. Now, Sam. Still is yet to happen. What if, because Bob's Burgers is still going on, right? Yeah. Okay, what if time. they just, they called you and they're like, hey, random chance of events. We just, we got We're huge of, fans we of the podcast. Taste. We're huge fans of the podcast. We need you to be a recurring, if not main character on Bob's Burgers. Will you do it? Hundred percent. But you need to tell public. You need to tell the public that this is the only show that you'll ever endorse ever again. Well, that seems like a very uh, double-sided scenario. They need you. And now you're. We're talking. Okay, this money. has to be my public persona. Behind closed doors, it's gonna be like, oh, shit, I really love working. I mean, if they ever hear you say that, you lose your job. But you can say it. They just can't. I'll do two seasons, then then go completely back on my work, get fired, <laughs> burn it to the ground, then take that money, turn around, put it right back to this podcast, grow it to be even bigger than ever, and our main platform will be fuck Bob's Burgers. <laughs> Every week we'll go through an episode and why that episode fucking sucks. <laughs> and then by the end of it, it'll, it'll be like a full 360, like I did with Nicolas Cage and Guy Fieri, where it's just like, oh, I kind of like it. You should, but you should do... Or, like, you know how you put the picture of each episode? 
when we were talking about the dinosaur, the dinosaur with DMT in the mouth. You should do this week's as a square with you wearing that hat. Ha! I don't know how to do Photoshop like that. I know how to take our logo and put it on another picture. <laughs> you can send a call out. Email us at dmtpcast at gmail.com. I have a picture of Sam wearing the Bob's Burgers hat. Oh, dude, speaking of Photoshops, if Justin's listening, I got to talk to him about it after this show. But there was this picture of somebody that he posted that they were going to do on Graffenberg this week. And the guy looked so much like me. Right? That it, it gave me a minor identity crisis. I want to see. Because, dude, it looked like Gary took my face and photoshopped <laughs> it onto some dude wearing really, really classy clothing. <laughs> like, it scared me. I see. <laughs> right? And <laughs> Sam... <laughs> like, he's got the, the the same shape head, same hairline. I mean, the glasses are very different, but he's got these muscles going on. Which my eyebrow muscles to make my mini eyebrows—they are probably the strongest muscles in my entire body. Yeah, you're a furrower. You're able to furrow your eyebrows very well. Oh yeah, it is second nature. Like I'll just be walking around like this, and people are just like, "What? What's wrong?" I'm like, oh. <laughs> uh, what's wrong? Oh, I just wasn't paying attention. Yeah, your eyes, your eyes are furrowed. I got some meanies. You're a furrower. Yeah, I trust furrowers. Oh, Jack, this is furrowing your brow. This is this is scowling. Uh, I, I'm a scowler. Oh. I'm a scowly wag. I'm a scowly wag, Jack. <laughs> you get it? You get it? Ha <laughs> ha. That was your week. Cool man, I, uh, I discovered spike ball. Uh, spike ball is really fun. Is that the one that you throw and you catch with the mitts? So this is, is we'll play that on the side sometimes, but it's like there's a kind of a it's smaller than this table, like maybe like two thirds the size of this table. It's a tiny little like netted trampoline looking thing, and this tiny little like rubber uh, like uh, hollow volleyball type thing that you just bop and it bounces and you do like three taps and you got to hit the net and it bounces to the other team and then the other team has three taps to get it back to bounce to the other team right so it's uh um, so it's like close quarters volleyball yeah yeah, yeah, yeah a is lot. it a drinking game no you can make it a drinking game it's it's hard it's like yo take the fucking wind out of you okay because that thing that ball is really like bouncy so it'll hit the net and it'll go like flying you gotta track that thing down you smack it, and then like someone else comes and taps it, and then you come and fucking, ah! you know what I mean? Okay. And it's it's fun. all about the fucking, ah! the, ah! Ah! Yeah. <laughs> the fucking, ah! okay, okay. Well, I like that. It's, that's already got me, you know, salesman pitch one. That's got my foot, toes in the door. Dude, I'll tell you, it's a game that does not really get old, especially if you're winning. Like if you're winning, you don't want to stop. You right. Know? Like you're you're feeling good. And, like, once you get, like, Jack, this... I feel like that applies for a lot of games. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> like, this is one of those where, like... Not, like, basketball can get kind of old. I guess it's a certain type of... This is a game that anybody could get, like, super into, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes cornhole gets a little boring after a while. Sometimes, like, you know, certain... Well, the stakes don't get any higher. Exactly. This game, the stakes stay high. This game is, like... It's like cornhole, but with, like, the stakes of basketball. You know what I mean? Like... And the pace. Yes, exactly. Like, athleticism, teamwork, focus. It's hard to hit that ball on that net because it's so small, and if you hit the rim, that doesn't count. You miss oh. a lot of the times. 
So this is like a backyard game? Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. You need like a good amount of space for it. And just because you can run anywhere. The net's it. like on the ground like a trampoline. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like a small trampoline. And it's like just a little thing of plastic. Like it's not that sturdy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you just try to hit that ball there. If it double bounces on the net, that doesn't count. That's a point for the other team. And it, it'll, you know, I've been doing that like four or five hours a day for like two or three days now. Jesus, yeah. <laughs> See, here's the thing I hate about your, your, your quarantine is that you're having <laughs> so much fun. You're really having a lot of fun this quarantine. It, it took me a long time to get to that sort of mindset, but yes, I am. Because I, here's the thing. Here's how I look at it. Up, like, what is it? Um, uh, I'm calling it. Like, what I'm trying to do, like the Rigby from Silicon Valley, where it's like oh. Richard's a great guy and all that. Like, I want to do like an acronym to say COVID's all bad and all that. But if you have the opportunity, like, what am I going to do? Just sit on the couch the whole day? I mean, the Jack, that, that acronym would be SEBA with three A's. SEBA. <laughs> SEBA. But. SEBA. But. Uh, <laughs> no, it's been cool. Like, the way I see it is, like, I have an opportunity now to, like, try and de-stress as much as possible because I've figured out I've spent a lot of time make shifting my own stress because that's at a certain point over the past three or four years, I decided that's how you're supposed to feel if you want to be productive. Oh, stress? Yeah. Oh, I was just talking about this with Anjane last night because I was talking, I was listening to Pop Papa and Joe Rogan mm-hmm. and they were talking about this movie that Billy Crystal did, uh, Mr. Saturday Night. He plays this comedian, and this comedian is just a, that brooding, fucking suffering, demented, like, you know, tortured and, like, depressed and all that stuff. And Joe Rogan's like, Jesus Christ, what the fuck comedians did this writer meet? Like, this is not what a comedian is like. And I'm like, there it is right yeah. there, because I, there are so many people that I've seen at open mics and stuff that believe that you have to have, like, childhood trauma or go through some real-life trauma, mm-hmm. and you have to suffer and live in squalor and be depressed yeah. and have, you know, substance abuse problems and be this really dark person to be a good comedian. It's like, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. really, really don't. In fact, you know, Jim Gaffigan was never that guy. Exactly. You know, and he's one of the biggest acts in the entire world, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and that to manufacture that for yourself or, you know, be in that situation and be like, oh, this is good. I yeah. have to be here. It's kind of, it's kind of off the mark. There's a, there's a lot of reasons I've found I've, I have to take issue with it now because it's, like, unnecessary. You know, I've found that, like, one, if you do that, all of a sudden you decide you need to be this upset person and you become this upset person, but your goal is to make people laugh the whole right. time. Right? Like, it becomes very confusing and there's some people that can really make it work, but it's like, when I first thought of being a comedian or an actor or whatever, some sort of, like, entertainer, I was having fun, you know, at recess with my friends. Right. You know what I mean? I, I, didn't, I didn't go through some, like, horrible childhood trauma and just go, like, what do you think people laugh? Like, right. you know what I mean? Like, that's, that, that thought would have never occurred to me. And mm-hmm. also, people that, like, live in that realm, they live there. They're never able to get out of it. And the thing about comedy or just expression or creativity, even if you're a fucking engineer is you need to be able to look at something from an outside perspective. And when you're stressed and moody and anxious, you're, it's very, very hard to look at things from that outside perspective. Mm-hmm. 
And well, it, because it brings everything into here. Creates it tunnel vision. Yeah, tunnel vision, and you're just so between your ears, and it's just, it's not. Well. Like, I noticed recently, because I had a similar thing where I was changing how I view things, changing my perspective and stuff, where it's like, I haven't really written very much observational stuff because I've had such a crazy tunnel vision. I've been mm-hmm. so unobservant of everything. I've just been going through, hey, I gotta go to work, I gotta do this, and da 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 I'll put on a podcast so I don't have to think, you know, or, yeah, you know, like, and it, it's burying stuff that you should be addressing. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't even realize it until recently that I completely stopped listening to music. But not unless it was, like, Run the Jewels. If it was, like, mm-hmm. some hype shit or good-feeling, like, hard beat stuff, mm-hmm. I was all about it. But if it was anything emotional, I had to shut it off because I would immediately start thinking about stuff in my life. And I'm like, nope, I can't cry right now. It can't help. I need to focus. And, da, 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 da. and then one day I just let it all loose, and I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah. I, that was, like, a spiritual dump right there. Mm-hmm. Big know? time. Big time. It's... Talk about spirit points, you know? It's interesting. Or soul points, that's what it was. Yeah. Soul points. It's like, you want to go to the park, but you think the only thing you can do at the park is walk on the sidewalk, right? Like, you want to go for a walk at the park, but all you can do is stay on the sidewalk. And it's like, you just know that there's like this big fields of grass and hills that you can run up and like basketball courts you can go play on and like all this stuff you can do. But you told yourself you were going to walk in the park, so you're just going to stick on the concrete and walk forward. And you get home, and your knees fucking hurt. You know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about? You go home, and you just didn't let yourself do... That's what I realized. So much of the stress and stuff that I fear was because I was afraid to feel fear. Like, a lot of the big the big three things I've had to really come to terms with, and I'm still definitely in the process of it, but I recognize I am. I can work on that now, mm-hmm. is... Like, a fear of achievement, um, and then a fear of loneliness, right? Mm -hmm. And those kind of manifest themselves in different ways. And the thing that I had to realize was I had to say, oh, I can fail, and I may be alone for the rest of my life, quote-unquote. But, like, that the narrative I wrote was alone. You can't allow yourself to do this, right? Well, and, like, alone was, for me... The, the fear was not having anybody, but the uh, condition I had was dating somebody, right? Always thinking I needed to be dating someone or I was technically alone. And then facing that moment and being like, you know, you have an amazing group of people yeah, around you. have never been less alone. Exactly. Yeah, especially with your family. Even if it was just you and your family, mm-hmm. you would never be alone with Katie. Exactly. Exactly. You, like, you've got these attacks. You've got these people. And, like, let's say dating was... Why Why are you trying to be the guy that needs to be dating someone? That's such a horrible energy to have. Even if it's not the direct energy you're putting out, you're not meeting somebody that's worth meeting. You're meeting somebody that, like Pete says, you know, check a mark. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, and honestly, I think a big part of it is just because we grew up loving movies so much that it created that such an idealized thing. Yeah. Like, the I story was, of uh, Jim and Pam is yeah, Jim one of my Pam, favorite things in the world. You Jim know? and Pam, uh, Leslie Van, mm-hmm. uh, even fucking... Uh, Chris and April. Yeah. You know? Or Andy, Andy and April. Chris yeah, yeah. Pratt, Andy, April. Hey, man, that's the best one. Yeah. yeah. That's going to be the most solid of for all of them. Yeah. Where it's like, ah. But like, my, even how I feel about certain other people's relationships, like, uh, they can prove us wrong, like Andy and April. Everybody saw them get married and are like, that's going to go real bad. 
happily and yeah. happily now in 2023. It's still happily married. Right. Right? And I, you know, that that was the thing was I was always like, oh, that'll just end up happening if I keep thinking it's going to happen versus like actually like looking out for it, you know, and not trying to like be like, is this going to be the relationship I find? Just being open to being like, is this a person I am compatible with? Let's not, let's not worry about how attractive they are or like if this is going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Let's just worry if like this is somebody that I could talk to for hours on the phone and I would leave that phone conversation energized and not tired. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And that's worth finding. And then achievement's the same thing, being able to say, hey, you might fail. Like you really, you might not be as talented as things as you think you are and you might fail, but it's more worth it to go after that and see, prove myself wrong or see, have a story to tell about a lesson I learned rather than listening to that and being like, oh, that mu- that thought must be the truth. Right. The only truth is what's going to happen going forward in my life. 100%. So if I listen to that, that will become my truth. And if I mm-hmm. don't and I just stay open and I go walk in the fucking field, mm-hmm. you never know what's going to happen. Right. You know? And also with that, not knowing what's going to happen, you do find that you do have a surprisingly large amount of control. Exactly. Well, so the thing... Like you, that analogy you just pitched about walking in the park and just being like, well, I have to stay on the path because that's what it is. But it, it's like, you know, expanding that horizon. You look to your right, there's a skate park. Ooh, maybe I can try skateboarding. Yeah. Let's see if I can, like, turn that into something. Or I can go over into the batting cage. Yeah. Or go, you know, kick a soccer ball into a goal. Something like that. Mm-hmm. The, I totally got it twisted in my mind that having an overwhelming amount of choices is a bad thing mm-hmm. for me because that always made me clam up and right. afraid even more rather than just being like pick one yeah try it and if it doesn't work out fucking that's okay yeah you'll never know what you'll your never know. thing is if you don't pick a bunch of stuff and learn it's more important to learn what you don't like than what you like and there's something too i've been watching the jordan documentary and it's awesome and amazing and the thing i keep like looking at and i keep like give me your espn login <laughs> everyone has lied to me saying that it was on Netflix. Oh, it's on Netflix everywhere but the U.S. <laughs> oh, it's on ESPN for free. If you have a TV provider or the bundle with Disney. Oh. Do I have the bundle with Disney? I don't know. I don't, don't know, but I don't have a TV provider. That's fair. We might get lucky off the Xfinity thing, but I don't really know. Um, but the thing about Jordan that's interesting, and the thing that I keep looking at, is I keep thinking about free will and choice, and things like that. Like, is there free will? Is there choice? I'm like, yes and no. Because you got to look at, right now, everybody that's listening to this, when they think of Michael Jordan, they automatically think an amazing basketball player, if not the best basketball player to ever play, if not the best athlete that Mm -hmm. is given sport, right? Mm -hmm. All those thoughts cross people's mind. But there was a time in 1964, whatever, whenever he was born, that nobody even knew the the name Michael Jordan. Mm -hmm. There was a time his parents didn't know they were going to name him Michael. You know what I mean? And nobody had any comprehension of that. But this man was born, and what's cool about this, like, it reminds me of the Ted Bundy documentary where there's, like, so much happens. Like, this story's so crazy you could write it. But the thing I always wish was, like, you know, I wish, I don't, obviously, I'm glad Ted Bundy's dead, but I'd, like, love to hear him talk his about the choices. The I'd love yeah. to hear his honest choices. And that's what's cool about this. Is well, the tapes only kind of scratched it. Like, exactly. the tapes aren't good enough as if it were... Asking him, you know, however many years later, 34 years later, and mm-hmm. just being like, 
So what's the deal, Teddy? <laughs> well, and that's partially why that documentary is so good is because of those takes. It's not just a, this happened and then this happened. They, like, put him in. Mm-hmm. What's cool about this documentary is Michael and Dennis and Scotty and Phil and Steve Kerr, they're all talking in it, and especially Michael, to see that he actively made choices all throughout his entire life to get him to be Michael Jordan, right? It was all very intentional. It was all very intentional because that's just who he was. That's just, he said... I don't care what anybody ever anything tells me. I am so competitive, and I want to do this goal so bad. Whatever that oh, goal and was. And it was crazy because the goal just started out with him only wanting to be on the Tar Heels. Right, right. So right. with him wanting to be UNC. It started with him wanting to be on the sophomore. He got cut his sophomore year. I, I know. High school basketball. Yeah. And it was like, got to make a basketball team. Got to make a varsity team. Got to make the got to go to USC. Got to be the best player in USC. Got to be the best player in college. Got to be... Got to make the NBA. Got to do. Got to win a championship. Mm-hmm. Got to win three championships right. in a row because that's never been done. Got to go play baseball. Like he said, he was going to do it, and he took the time and did. Like that's the thing in this documentary. You learn he's an asshole and he failed a bunch and he did so many thousands of things. But, but the thing I love it. about it is like all he this, doesn't regret yeah, a thing. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That is the no regrets. And the thing I love about it too is like it seems like all these people who held him in this high esteem of golden god and all this shit didn't. Because you, they didn't have a mic'd up NBA in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And if they did, his record would be pretty pockmarked. Right. I mean, it's just now coming to public eye, or not public eye, popular eye, that people are like, oh, he was a fucking asshole. Mm-hmm. But it's like, that's probably the most well-intentioned asshole yeah. of all time. And he because won. it made the team better. Yeah, he you always know? succeeded. Dennis Rodman hangs out with Kim Jong-un and doesn't fuck with Michael Jordan. That's how much of an asshole he was, and look how many titles they have because of it. Exactly. Sometimes that's what it takes. And, you know, I mean, even draw comparisons with Tom Brady. I don't think he's that big of an asshole, but he did do that same sort of thing where it's like, this is 100% what I'm going to do. I'm going to do 150. I'm going to do everything I can I'll take fucking pay cuts if we can get a good fucking right wide receiver or a good defenseman because winning is what the goal is. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm sure hanging out with Tom is a really awkward fucking time because he doesn't have much of a social life because he's so ho- focused on football. But I would I would be fascinated to sit down with Tom Brady simply because I would love to just like learn how he channels that energy because I think what Michael and Tom like why these people are so we're able to idolize them as they've been able to channel this energy mm-hmm. into something. And no matter where their emotions go, because they get happy, sad, and angry, just like the rest yeah. of us. But they're able to channel, like, Michael had this ability to channel, like, jealous and anger into direct, like, enemy competition mm-hmm. where he would go into a game and be like, that fucking guy, I need to beat him. For just, mm-hmm. the the news is talking about him more than me. I you think know? that's the thing that is both the fuel and the outlet. Mm-hmm. So it's the thing that makes them the most tense and the most crazy, but also the thing that is the most cathartic for them. Yeah. Because it's like, I know Tom golfs and all that, but it's like, you know, you get these other like NFL players where their outlet is their persona mm-hmm. off the field and, you know, letting other people know what it's like to be Rob Gronkowski or something like that or, mm-hmm. you know, but with him, he has kept so private, played everything so close to the chest and it's like, yeah, I'm sure that's what it is that, for both of them, the game is what fuels both their anxieties, insecurities, passions, all that stuff that's negative. And then they just put it right back into it mm-hmm. and just be like, okay, well, you make me feel like shit. I'm going to make the game feel like shit. I'm yeah. going to give 
like the game bullies them and they bully right back. That's right. That's yeah, kind yeah. of the vibe that I get from it. And I think like the thing that But I, it's just fascinating that they can be so singular. Right. And I think the reason they can is that so to kind of the last like closing thought I have and then something I want to talk to you about is I heard this guy named Science Mike on Pete's podcast. Okay. And he's great. I would highly recommend it. I'll check it he out. Has a, he has the best way of explaining how the brain works in a very sim- simple layman's terms way that I've ever heard. Okay. And it's helped me so much on how like my brain works. So basically he says, your brain is a human that's standing on top of a puppy that's standing on top of a crocodile, right? Which means when you take the brain and you split it open, you see there's three... There's kind of three sections to the yeah. brain, right? So and there's ego, kid ego super, is the alligator. Yeah, super ego is the dog. Where it's like, okay, I, I'll explain super ego to me real, real quick. So I'll start with the crocodile real quick, just so that it works into yeah. the puppy there. But like the so the yeah, the um, reptile brain, it literally is life. It's the stem of life. It's the decision making part of the brain that is allowed life to evolve and become what it's become it's the most robotic thing that it's survival it's just, it, yeah it's literally binary down to the core it's the reason why men are just so fucking horny and have to feel like they have to fuck everything all it wants to just keep the species alive it's pure survival all the crocodile wants to do is fight fuck or eat you know yeah. what i mean and um so and it's in direct control of your body because it's attached to your brain stem. right so that's why you can really I'll go. I'll come back to this, but then the puppy, the superego, that's like your emotions. That's the mammalian part of your brain. That's the brain that mammals developed over the id to have some sort of meaning attachment as far as emotions go, and they can feel feelings and have you know maternal attachment. And that's why you see mammals get sad. Exactly, exactly, and that's the part of your brain. That's the part of my brain that is like you know sad when I think about uh, how if I'm single or like gets really really happy when I think of a good uh, idea it's the you know it's it's just a puppy that wants a reward you know what I mean a puppy that wants attention and that's the thing you have this crocodile swimming you're, you're walking with this crocodile you have a puppy behind you barking in your ear all the time and then you have the top part of your ego the actual part of your brain that developed language and thought processing and creativity and music and art yeah. and like is the actual like processing part but here's what happens in your at least for me i'll speak for myself here's what happens in my brain is my human brain let's say let's start with the example of let's just say trying to get a girlfriend right i see a girl i'm like oh you know like i don't want to be single oh that girl's attractive oh it's registering for me and then my puppy goes oh she's really pretty she's really cute oh my god like you oh boy you better you 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 better take care of business here you better you know like and then the crocodile's like oh yeah you better because we got something to prove. We got survival to be had here. Get up in them guts. And then for me, what happens is that crocodile starts to, you know, get really, like, focused. Like, I, be, I really start to like that person. Because I'm a sensitive and kind of intuitive person. So I feel something, and that puppy gets real excited. Mm-hmm. Really, really excited. And then I start to, the human part starts to think it through and, like, imagine fantasies. You just can't help it. You know, you're like, I like somebody. I wonder what it would be like if we went to a movie. And then you... Start processing from there. And then all of a sudden, I've got this crocodile that's like, I need to mate. And then you've got this puppy that's like, I really like her, but I'm so scared to talk to her. And then you have this human part of your brain. Is the human part responsible for future tripping? Because we've been guilty of that. Yeah, well, I mean, it is like, it's the the puppy gets really excited and starts talking. And then the human part of your brain's like, that sounds really nice. 
I wonder what that would be like. Ooh, that would be nice. And then the pop is like, that next, would be. Yeah, next and, thing you hear. Very quickly. And it's, and you can't fault yourself for it. it it's just because you thought somebody was pretty. It you just know goes I mean? through a hierarchy of mm-hmm. the different parts of your brain. And you can think, we can think about it like a script, like the, the id's like, Ooh, I gotta make money. I gotta make food. The puppy's like, oh, I really like being creative, and I'm pretty good at it, you know. And then the human brain's like, oh, I have this idea, and the puppy's like, oh, I'm all excited about it. And then life throws you these curveballs, and it's all about how do the crocodile, the puppy, and the human all connect with each other. So going back to like Jordan and Brady and them, I think they have this incredible ability just naturally to connect all three parts of those brain to communicate really well. And what I'm learning, cooperate and compromise. And what I'm learning is that I've force them to be three very segmented parts. I've been like, the puppy gets too loud, and I'm like, ah, shut up. And then the crocodile gets kind of weird, and I don't understand it, and I get afraid of it, and I run away from it. But then I start beating myself up in my head, because it's all me, mm-hmm. but it, like, is and it isn't. There's like I, a, I can severely relate. But there's an ability, if you can connect, because there's a wisdom to the crocodile, and there's an inherent beauty to the puppy. I think there's a wisdom and serenity to the crocodile, because 100%. it's so simple. The crocodile is the first one you gotta talk to. Yeah, it's the most simple. It's honestly, even though it is, you know, bound in violence and the drive to conquer, mm-hmm. basically, uh, it is the most serene. Yeah, if you, you know? directly respond to your crocodile like it's to your id, like it is something that is part of you, but just like more of a helper, it will give you a pretty good answer mm-hmm. more often than not. It will help you get away from it. The puppy's the one that gets excited and scared. But if the crocodile can make sense of it, the puppy can make sense of it. Okay. But it's really hard to get to the crocodile through the puppy. Well, you know I, mean? I mean, because you've literally listed it as top to bottom. Exactly. And you got to dig through the puppy to get to the crocodile. And mm-hmm. to face, like, like I was talking about listening to music, to face emotions that you don't want to face, it's pretty gnarly. Yeah. You know? And sure, it is cathartic, but it, to not address stuff, even to ignore your primal instincts... To it. I mean, like, it doesn't mean go out and rape somebody to, pre- no. you know, keep the uh, line going. Right. But it's, like, definitely, like, if you have a need, like, that's the thing with abstinence that makes it just such a fucking fundamental flaw and why, uh, you know, Christians get into such really fucked up kinky shit or kill themselves. It's because they are literally denying an entire mm-hmm. chemical, physical, genetic buildup that has got crawled out of the ocean millions of years ago. Yeah. Like, that is the thing that's been around way longer than God or any of this ideological shit. Yeah. You know? Really, and then we get to, you know, 2,000 years ago, and they're like, stop touching your dilly willy! Mm-hmm. They're literally, they're rusting their brains. Right. You know? Yeah. And it's like you just pay attention to it. You listen to it, you say, do I need to listen to this urge? Sometimes you do, and sometimes you fall through with it, it's cool. Sometimes you make a mistake, but if you pay attention to how all three of those things we're there, and I would say I do this like 10% of the time, but you try and get better and better about it, and then all of a sudden you start to learn that you're living, your decisions are made in three different places, mm-hmm. but they can be fluid, you know right. what I mean? You don't have to get angry with yourself mm-hmm. for making a decision. There's a reason you did. People just can relax. Exactly. And just know, like Tom Papa says, you're doing great. You're doing great. You're doing great, guys. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great thing that we should all take away. It's just yeah. Guys, just it's okay. We're doing okay. If you need to relax, relax. Yeah. There and I, I mean, like you used to be like this until this quarantine kicked in. You realized the other side, but like uh, Anjanae's guilty of it of just being like, 
when she's not working, she's like, I need to be doing something. I'm like, no, you don't. Yeah. Just keep focused. You can watch more. Exactly. You can watch an entire season of a TV show and have nothing impacted. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Yeah. It's time you to know. do it. Just chill out. Absolutely. I think that's a great way to end. Uh, like, share, subscribe, follow Grafenberg TV, follow us uh, on social media, Facebook, uh, email dmtpcast at gmail.com. That's dmtpcast at gmail. And uh, otherwise, keep tuning in. Year two of DMT has begun. I can't be more excited. Love you guys. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.